what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. Here's a question for you. When was the last time you felt overwhelming guilt about something? I know you might be thinking, Tom, what are you, what are you doing? But no, seriously, though, like, whether it was a day or a week or a month ago, I bet it wasn't that long ago that you felt some level of, of guilt. Guilt, universal human emotion we've all felt. And as Diane Flax found out, it can drive you to do some wild stuff. Diane is an Emmy-nominated comedy writer known for shows like uh, Working Moms and Baroness Von Sketch Show. After ending her 20-year marriage and seeing the impact that it had on her ex-partner and kids, uh, she felt this overwhelming guilt. So she got on stage and started talking about it. And unbeknownst to her, guilt, a love story, was born. It's her new one-woman play that explores guilt and grief and fear and moving on. And what's funny about going through the worst time in your life... It's on Tarragon Theatre in Toronto right now, on at Tarragon Theatre in Toronto right now. Diane Flax joined me in studio to talk all about it. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Unbeknownst to you. Unbeknownst to me. What is that? How does, how does a play come to you unbeknownst? <laughs> well, because you don't plan on writing about it. You're thinking like, this is awful what I'm experiencing. And I, I'll just write a few thoughts down so that I don't forget this amazing insight that I have that then is no longer viable the next day. And also weird stuff happens, right? Like those weird, funny moments. And you just go, this is so horrible, right. but will be funny next week <laughs> right. or maybe 10 years from now. <laughs> Fair enough. If you were going through a, a divorce and you know with children, and you, and you start thinking to yourself during it, oh, this will be a good play. Maybe, maybe there'd be something wrong with you, you know? A hundred percent. But it isn't like for people like me, it isn't that much longer. <laughs> 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 I start thinking, oh, I got to tell, oh, this is, there's something here. Well, let's, let's step back a little bit. Tell me a little bit about how this play came together. So I was working with Lorraine Sagato, who I think you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Love Lorraine. Yeah, yeah. She was doing this night called Wild Women Get the Blues. Parachute Club? Yeah, Parachute Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she did this night in Toronto at this really beautiful little space, and she would ask people to do, had an amazing roster of blues singers, plus moi, mm-hmm. who, who really can't, shouldn't, must not sing. And she asked me to do a little comedy piece. And I worked something up. And then she said, oh, no, you have to do one in the second act. And I was like, oh. And I was right in the middle of wrestling with guilt. I felt like I was a ghost. You were going through the... I was going through the the post-separation. I felt very... um, I was consumed. I felt like I, I, I've said, I feel, felt like I had a raccoon in a cage inside my chest yeah, at all times. Yeah. It, it was just consuming to me. And I got up on stage and I started talking about it. And the response from people was very heartening because it made me realize, oh, I'm not the only one. And uh, and so that's when I started writing it. And then I was invited to do something at the We're Funny That Way Festival, which is this great festival in Toronto of uh, uh, queer comedians. And again, it was like I was supposed to do half an hour and the person dropped out and I had to do, you know, 45 minutes of material. And so it started to, I started to realize there's something in this, in the way that people are responding and the appetite to talk about this really complex feeling. What What, what is that feeling? You know, it's a great question, and I wrestle with it throughout the play because I 
I don't know if it's a moral construct, a state of being, a feeling, uh, a essential part of humanity that maybe we should abandon, or if it's re- has a great utility right. to help us be human beings. But you were feeling it. Oh man, I was really I was subsumed by it. Like right. I think we know that there are good uses for these kinds of feelings, but yeah. when you're c- completely swamped by it, not good. Yeah, we're, we're told that there's such a thing as adaptive guilt. Mm-hmm. Guilt is something that can align our morals and align mm-hmm. our ethics. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not to confuse it with shame, which is when we think we're bad people mm-hmm. because of the things that, that we've done. Guilt is but like when you're in it, no, which you were. 100%. You know? And also I also feel like you know, I'm Jewish and we go for guilt – uh, and um, a lot of other faiths go for shame. Like my friends, my who are Catholic, and they're like, "Oh, I relate to this because hello, 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 I'm right <laughs> hello, <here>. because <laughs> of of that, right?" But um, yeah, it's it's adaptive to a degree. But I think most of us don't are so uncomfortable with the feeling, and we're in a culture right now in this moment where you're either. Uh, hashtag you do you, uh, live your best life, you shouldn't feel guilty, I'm just here for me, I got to do me. Or it's like zero, like you're you're punished with a cudgel of shame mm-hmm. if you uh, speak incorrectly or say the wrong word. Mm-hmm. And then you have the politicians of, you know, in the elephant to the south of us who have no shame, no guilt. Mm-hmm. And that's a marketable uh, quality in them. So we're living in a time where I think the culture is wrestling with this as well. So when you start doing the show, when you start writing the show, what do you start learning about about your own guilt, about guilt in general? I think I went back to see why is it that it completely subsumed me. And I think it did have to do with my cultural background. Yeah. It did have to do maybe with my upbringing as a woman in a certain time, yeah. uh, as a kind of mother that I was yeah. and am, which yeah. is sort of a what, eat the burnt toast kind of mom. Mm-hmm. And That's the mom that eats the burnt toast? Mm-hmm. If there's two slices. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, why would I? Here. Well, the other thing is, you know, the 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 the, the saying, you take the oxygen mask first mm-hmm. and then you give it to your child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No human mom on the planet Earth would do that. That's not. No. <laughs> no, no. No. I wouldn't do that. In a meal, no. So I, I was always a mom who would lift the Volkswagen and twist it into a pretzel and tie it around the neck of the driver who's idling their engine. Like I, I was that mom. So for me, then. You had a high moral standard for High yourself. moral standard and then felt like I was betraying everyone and myself. So I really had to wrestle with the fact that sometimes you do things that do cause harm. I was more comfortable with being the person who had some necessarily bad things happen to in life than being the one who caused it. Right. So I realized in the course of writing this play and doing all the research and talking to people and seeing audiences that you can't get through you can't get through life unhurt or unhurting, right? No, there's no way. There's no way out of it. All you can do is try to deal with it and try to do better next time. So you, you did research, yeah, like yeah. In, into guilt. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, there's Freud, mm-hmm. <laughs> who we all know and love, and had some interesting things to say. And uh, uh, it's biblical. There's Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Cain mm-hmm. murders his brother Abel. He doesn't feel guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many different. Verse adaptive guilt. There's so many different uh, ideas of what it is. Mm-hmm. Some people think it doesn't really actually exist in our. It's just a. It's just a construct that's uh, that's put on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel it's part of us. It's part of human nature. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Coming up, more of my conversation with the playwright, actor, and writer Diane Flax. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. 
This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, Here, There and Everywhere. Listen to Season 2 of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Why did you want to do this by yourself? Why didn't you want to stage a... I'm getting a point here. You got a point. I pointed at you. You pointed at me. I pointed at you. For the radio listener, I I got pointed at during that. Yeah, I got pointed at. It's hard to do a solo show. I've done, this is my fifth. And and I always, whenever I do them, I think, I'll never do that again. That's so difficult. It's just, uh, sometimes it feels like it's the only way through. It's the way that the story needs to be told. And I felt, again, being the Eat the Burnt Toast Mom, I'm kind of a hapless, somewhat elevated every woman in a sense in that I think maybe <laughs> I think I'm wrong. I think maybe, I saw that on your, on your right? Instagram profile. Right? Yes. I think that's what it said in oh, your bio. I will put that there. <laughs> but you know that like if I can get through something, that's my feeling. If I can present it and get through it uh-huh. and wrestle with it in an authentic way that isn't, that is nuanced and complicated and doesn't offer answers, I think I can reach a lot of people in that way. So I thought I can use myself to tell this story. As opposed to acting out the, these scenarios, acting out what you went through with, with others. Yeah, exactly. And also I felt like I can take the hits. I don't think it's fair for anyone else to take them in, I, my, in my family. So I'll, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll throw my story out there and my experience, and I, I felt fair to tell that. You didn't want to take people in your family and turn them into characters. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. right. Yeah. You wanted to take it all, your, all yourself. Yep, and because I'm the one who's learning and hoping that you know, again, my story, I stretched it for fiction and for drama. <laughs> He's laughing. This, this, Are you learning? This urge Did for, you learn? Th- no, it was this urge for punishment. Are you sure you're not Catholic? That's, what, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really what I'm asking I here, know. you know, this idea that like, I'm going to take it. I'm gonna um, take it no, it's true. It's true. How does it feel? It must be scary to be up there. It, it is somewhat frightening. Yeah, it is. It's vulnerable. You're not playing it's, a character. Well, I do play, I think, well, you know a I mean, whole whack of them in the show, yeah, yeah. including Freud. And, yeah. But um, yeah, no, it is. It is. But it's also gratifying. I don't think having been, I feel sometimes I felt like I went through a wood chipper or I went through like a sandstorm, you know, where things are stripped away. And I think that's a good place to come from for an audience. And I think also, just to be clear, it's funny. I'm going to get to this. So a, a couple of questions about this. Um, this show, so as, as I mentioned, you, you, you worked on shows like Working Moms and Baroness Von Sketch. And listen, I'm aware that if you're listening to this on the CBC, you think this is a very typical CBC conversation mm-hmm. where it's only about sadness and guilt. <laughs> Tell me just how sad your show is. <laughs> <laughs> what can we learn from your sadness? <laughs> let's go for a swim in the sand. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just spend some time wading in the sad pool. Uh, this show is a comedy. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, um, okay, so... When do you become aware that it's funny? Why do you want it to be? A, talk to me about the show as a comedy. Listen, every moment, and I'm sure you experience this, every moment, because also from where you're from, right? Like every moment that is difficult in life, you, I think more often than not, people will find something funny in it. That's just human nature. I think that as much as guilt's human nature, so is that. The ability to make light and to laugh and to have a sort of perverse kind of glee and way to get through darkness, I think that's so human. Uh, that's how I get through things. That's how I cope. And I, I want the audience to see how ridiculous and absurd it is sometimes to try and get through a difficult moment. Like for me, because I just overcompensated like crazy when, you know, and I, my... What do you mean? I don't know. Well, like 
You get your kid iPads. They don't need them. You, I ordered sushi from Uber Eats, which is ridiculous when there is a sushi place 10 feet from every home in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, right right, right, right. So it's like that. Like you just – and I'll do everything. You do – I'll do your chores, you know. And I think that this is a classic – and as much as it was painful at the time, I realize so many people experience that when they have a divorce or separation. And I want those people to be able to see themselves and have a little bit of glee as well. Is there a laugh in the show that's not a easy one at first for the audience? Do you know what I mean by that? Is there? Can you, can you give me an example of a laugh in the show that the, the audience might be going like, can I, can I laugh? You know? Yeah, there's a couple of them. Well, there's one that right off the top where I basically tell the audience that I'm drinking too much. And <laughs> I feel weird laughing now. Yeah, right? But And that it's not a problem. It's Are you sure you're not Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I might jump over. I might jump I off the you'd, fence. You'd fit in pretty what, good. What, is it not fry, frying pan into the fire? <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. yeah. So Sorry, sorry, go back to that. So drinking too much, and then I say it's not, a, it's not the problem, it's the solution, and it's not a cry for help, it's a cry for sangria. And, and people are, like, they're not sure what to make of that. Um, I do embody the raccoon that I say is in my chest. And as I did, I, my director just told me it today, that when I get first take the position of that physically, that the audience is thinking, what is going on? And then when I start to talk and they realize what it is, it usually there's some sort of response because they're like, oh, I'm, oh, you're not doing that. You're not. Yes, you are. Okay, here we go. <laughs> We're going to hear your id played by a raccoon. So, you know, it's like absurd moments like that that the audience goes, "Okay, yeah, we're going to we're going to go deep here, but it's not going to hurt." You know, it's going to be interesting, I hope. Um uh two two questions to, to close things out. One, um what did you learn about guilt and maybe your own experience of it or 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 the only what what you went through with your with your with your separation and your and your divorce uh that you didn't know before you started working on the show? I think what I didn't understand was that guilt is not something that you can force to let go of. There's not much. It, it will let go of you in its time. And that it is often a shield for the other things that we don't want to feel, that we don't want to admit that we're feeling. And sometimes those are the really hard things. Um, I feel like sometimes you feel guilt so that you don't feel the grief or the loss. And I think it does make us, if you can ride it and get through it, then it can make us into better people. I think it can create empathy. Is there a conversation, say, when two folks go to see this show? Um, and I rarely ask this question, but I, I think because it has so much to do with like the universe, universality of our emotions, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm curious about it. Two people are sitting in in watching the show. They go together. You know, they they have a glass of wine, whatever. They get into the car. You know, after that, they, they you start and they start dating. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited. Who is it? <laughs> Sorry. Well, their names are Tom Power. No, they they get into the car. Uh, they start the car, and they have just seen the show. In a dream world, what conversation do you hope they're having about what they just saw? It's a great question, and it kind of. Um, I hope that they are they leave with a different idea of what guilt is. That maybe one of them came in and said, I, I think guilt is a really good thing to have. It's very important for hu- human nature. And at the end, they go, wow, you got to let that stuff go. Yeah. And maybe the other person went, there's no such thing as guilt. I don't really believe in it. I don't feel bad. It's just, and then they go, oh, you know what? Maybe there's something, there's a compassion involved in this. So that's what I'm hoping, that people's minds change or that it opens up a conversation about what the utility or the lack of utility of this state of being is. And even what is it? 
I think I think any time that you as a as a as an audience member can see an artist offer their own life as something to be examined to learn about our own. I think it's just the highest levels of stuff. So I, I do really appreciate you coming in. Oh, thank and congrats you. on the show. Oh, thank you. My conversation with Diane Flack. She is the writer and star of the one-woman show called Guilt, A Love Story, which is on now at the Tarragon Theater in Toronto until March 3rd. Speaking of finding uh, jokes in unlikely places, Diane Flax found it in, in Guilt. Chromeo have found it in Growing Up. This is a band. Chromeo's play on words of Chrome and Romeo. These, are, these guys are late-night glittery Casanovas. And their new album, Adult Contemporary, is about something you might be going through. I know I'm going through. Growing up, staying in, taking it easy. How do you make a funk album about that? They'll be here to tell you all about it. Go check that interview out wherever you got this podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.